the January transfer window coming to a close and our Super Bowl matchup is set. Welcome to the Two Half Show. Hello people and welcome back to the Two Half Show. Joining me as always is my good friend Osama. Osama, how are you doing, my guy? Yo, what's good, man? Uh, we weren't able to bring you a show last week. Uh, we got caught up, uh, quite busy. Uh, we weren't able to record, but we come back to you with a jam-packed show with a lot to discuss, as always. And, of course, this is a Transfer Deadline Day special as we are now currently just under two and a half hours away from the closing of the transfer window. And it's been one of the most hectic and most interesting transfer windows we've probably ever had in the Premier League, don't you think? Yeah, I think it's been uh, dominant from the Premier League in terms of signing a lot of players with a lot of cash. And it's going to be interesting to see which player is going to be signing of the January transfer window. And Yeah, now listen, the, the Premier League, I think, this month has really kind of flexed its muscle and, and shown that the Prem is king because... What we've seen is like throughout the whole Premier League as a whole, transfers of basically Champions League level players. And I said this to a friend last week is that the the Premier League now is, if I was to say to someone, uh, X player is a Premier League level player, that's a higher compliment than saying he's a Champions League player. Because if you look at kind of the worst teams in the Champions League and the worst teams in the Premier League, it's not it's not even a competition like it genuinely is not even a competition and we've seen that this window from the teams that are at the bottom of the champ- of the of the premier league signing you know top top level players i mean one we've seen uh, go through today was southampton signing Soleimana, who's a, a champions league level talent who when you, when you when you see it like that the premier league really has flexed its muscle do you think uh, this is a deeper question but just give us a quick thought on it do you think this is sustainable from the Premier League, this kind of spending power? Uh, no, I don't think so. Uh, I think... Obviously wow, that's with, surprising. I think with FFP rules coming in, I don't know if a lot of clubs are going to kind of do the a large amount of sums. I think there will be a few players that are coming in here and out, which is usual. But I think to spend as much as they have this journey transfer window, uh, I, I don't see that happening. And I think a lot of clubs, for example, like Chelsea, won't be at won't be able to do that. Listen, Chelsea are a special case, and we'll talk about them in depth because they have been probably the story of the of the window. But I, I have to disagree with you. I actually think that it is sustainable just because of the level of cash that's coming in, and because a lot of Premier League teams are actually spending within that FFP kind of limit. We've seen a lot of teams not spend as much as they could. For example, you know, my team, Man United, or yours, Liverpool, but. Generally speaking, there's been there's been a lot of signings happening, a lot of surprising uh, transfers as well, like Cancelo earlier today, which we'll come on to. But uh, do you think that the Premier League is almost in its own way uh, a super league already kind of thing? Yeah, for sure. I think obviously they're bringing the best or the biggest revenue in terms of the top five leagues in Europe, and obviously, look, teams now know that they can improve and. They can buy players that maybe a couple of years ago you wouldn't think it's possible. So, for example, if you look at Everton, where they've bidded in 40 million plus, I think, excess of 5 million for someone like Conor Gallagher, 
Now, let's just say four or five years ago, you'd get the likes of really top-class, world-class, or upcoming world-class players that are playing in the Champions League. Um, uh, I think it's, it's, it's weird to see now um, how teams are developing in the Prem and how this injection of cash is going to develop the lower teams to kind of push on and actually compete for top four. That's the thing. I, I think in a weird way, we've seen teams with, with kind of good plans and good projects thrive within this kind of market despite having to sell their best players. Brighton yeah. come to mind, you know, someone who's already ahead of Chelsea and, and Liverpool in the table and a team that, you know, it might be a step too far for them to get Europe. But they're there and thereabouts without having that kind of spending power. And the Super League is going to become a conversation again, I suspect, at the end of the season. I have a feeling it's going to be a conversation again because of a, f- a couple of things. One, we've seen, obviously, Todd Bowley come in as an American owner to Chelsea. Manchester United, there's potential, of course, with American owners coming in again who you know will almost definitely be better than the Glazers, but still will have that kind of level of ambition. and. Today we've seen the the Super League has had its appeal in in the Madrid court. They've won it, which means that the Super League clubs cannot be punished by any way by UEFA or FIFA. So, legally speaking, it's going to be an interesting kind of development to see what happens with the Super League going forward. But kind of let's let's look at some of the the transfers that we've we've had in the last twenty four hours. So what we've seen is Arsenal failing with their with their attempts to sign Caicedo, who is a good player, but you know. If I was Brighton, I'm personally accepting 70 million for him, I'll be honest. But uh, they've rejected the bid. They've stood their ground. Fair play to them. So it's seen Arsenal kind of go to what seems to be their plan B. Um, and they've signed Jorginho uh, from Chelsea for, for £12 million. Um, Chelsea, in their own way, have gone back in Fernando Fernandez, Then they've gone back out. Then they've gone back in. They're trying to negotiate that still, it seems. That's one of the storylines that we're still kind of developing. Rui Costa seems to really kind of standing his ground when it comes to not letting Chelsea get away with paying anything less than the total sum up front, which, you know, fair play. If Chelsea do that, financial fair play is going to eat them alive. But um, it'll be interesting to see if they... If they're able to put that over the line. Uh, elsewhere, one of the most surprising, if not the most surprising transfer of this window, for me personally, was Cancelo to City. Of course, that's yeah. happened in the last 24 hours. And Manchester United have finally got their kind of midfield reinforcement for the rest of the season in Sabitza, who, you know, I really like and I have a, a weird opinion about that, but we'll come to that later on. Uh, and, and potentially there's a developing storyline with Hussam Awa potentially going to Manchester United, but it seems like there might not be enough time for that one. Usama, I, I want to focus on these kind of last 24 hours before I come on to any of the others. Georgini to Arsenal, what are your thoughts on that transfer? It's it's a bit of a weird one for me, uh, looking at that. Yeah, I think that one caught me off guard. Um, obviously, you could probably say he's the second option that they won, obviously, because they were trying to get Caicedo. I think... With Jorginho, it's it's a weird one because, look, he's a 31-year-old. He's not getting enough game time at Chelsea. He's not the same player he was a, few, a couple of years ago, either, no, in my opinion. No, 100%. But then do you think he's going to add something quality to the team, except for leadership and obviously off the field and giving that confidence to youngsters and so on? But, I mean, on the field, do you think he's going to make a difference to Arsenal? I, or do you think he listen, even gets I, into the I, Arsenal first team? I, for me... It's a weird one. For me, the only way it makes sense is that if they've bought him in as a reinforcement, 
just in case uh, one of the two kind of central midfielders in the Shaka or Partey isn't unavailable for any reason. But I, I do think he's going to get some playing time. I don't think he's someone who moves the needle for them. I don't think he's someone who you see going there and it tells me, oh, they're more likely to be win the title or they're less likely to win the title. I just think he's maybe a good option player. But with someone like Caicedo, yeah. I think Caicedo would have come in and started for them, for example. Th- th- that's I, I can't see that happening with Jorginho. I think he's a more rest party or Xhaka during the Europa League. Maybe, And let like an true. experienced player like Jorginho himself come in and... Yeah, it, it's uh, it's going to be interesting to see how he plays a role within Arsenal. Uh, I think he is that guy where, well, Arsenal are getting to that crucial stage of the season now that they are pushing for the Premier League title and obviously they've got like a single hand I on think it. They're, I think they're quite lucky in a weird way though. But I don't I don't think they're like any other team has been in this position because no, 100%. they're only in two competitions. They're no, out of the FA Cup. They're yeah. out of the League Cup. Like yeah. Manchester, you look at Manchester United, and I, I've seen this the other day. Manchester United have the worst month Fixture of fixtures yeah. ever in the history of English football. I think because obviously, like you can't even compare it. Like Liverpool, for example, they were in the Champions League. They didn't have this game now uh, in, in Europe, whereas Manchester United play Barcelona, obviously, in round of the thirty-two in the Europa League. So that game is in there. The final, obviously, of the League Cup, which they're probably going to be in. The FA Cup game's still piling on. Whereas with Arsenal, I feel like they're almost just two competitions. It's a lot easier to manage. Yeah, no, you think? Uh, yeah, I think for them, it's obviously, look, uh, if you told Arsenal fans or players at the start of the season, you'd be charging for the Prem midway through the season and you'd be out of two competitions. They'd take it in a half. Yeah, of course. Of so course. I think for them, they don't really care that they're out of, obviously, the Cups, except for the Europa League. And look, possibly they can even push further within the Europa League if they get uh, a lucky draw in a way. So it's it's going to be interesting to see how they progress further in the Cups as well as the Premier League. Yeah, listen, uh, it's a weird one. We'll see how it plays out. Um, of course, we'll Cancelo to Bayern Munich, another weird, weird transfer. And with that one, the, it seems it was a lot more because of some kind of falling out that there's been between Pep and uh, Cancelo. Uh, what do you think of that? It's a weird one. How do you think that transfer affects Man City now? Um, look, I think City have got a lot of quality players that can play in multiple positions. So you've got Nathan Ake, who's an out-and-out centre-back, but obviously he's playing in, in the left-back role this season, and he's he's playing really well. I think you, you can't really... But he's not Cancelo, him. bro. Of course he's not Cancelo. Cancelo level, was the like, best left-back in the world last season. Exactly, but I think it's... Do you, I think these fallouts with Pep, they've happened multiple times in different clubs, for example. It seems like that, and doesn't it? Yeah, I think it's... Because obviously he's not really played a lot since the World Cup. Um... And it's a weird one because last season he was probably one of their best defensive players, providing assists going forward. Defensively, look, he was a bit shaky at times, but he still did the job and he offered you everything going forward. So why randomly out of nowhere the day before the deadline closes or on the day of deadline day itself, you see this rumor starting that, okay, he's going to yeah, go like by then. If, maybe that was just when kind of the deal got done and, and everything came out. And... I think he would be very, very good for for them. Of course, with, without a doubt. Uh, like for that back line that they have is incredibly. But Pamukkano, who I don't really rate as high as a lot of people, but Delict there is there, of course. Uh, Alfonso Davies and now Cancelo back in his right back position, and I think that's a solid, solid, solid back line that they have, which is incredible. And it's going to be interesting. Uh, I, I think it's a good challenge for Cancelo himself now, going into multiple countries and and challenging himself, which which is. 
was going to be very good to see in that game against PSG that they yeah. have coming up against that front line. Uh, I, I want to focus on, we, we hinted towards it earlier, and it was kind of the the more surprising signings for kind of the teams lower down the Premier League. Yeah. We've seen, I think Wolves have been the team that's impressed me the most with their business in terms of who they've signed um, given their position. And I, I think, I personally think a lot of it is down be- is down to their manager, of course, Lopetegui coming in. Yeah. And he's obviously had quite an effect. And, you know, we look at the, the signings, the, the three standouts are Mateus Cunha from Atletico Madrid with a loan to o- an option to buy, uh, Mario Lemina, who we've seen in the Premier League previously, uh, signing from Nice, and the big one, Pablo Sarabia from PSG. You're looking at that kind of level of signing for a team that's, bottom of the Premier League essentially it's it's uh it speaks to kind of the testament and kind of the 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 power of the Premier League uh in terms of the the, the monetary ability to to buy players the Wolves now of course they're, they're on the same number of points as Bournemouth who are on the top in the bottom three Everton of course I think Everton are doomed honestly bro they haven't signed anyone they've let but Anthony then, Gordon go yeah, I think that Lampard's they've got, left look one of the uh, one of the best Let's just say relegation managers in in Sean Dyche. It's either him or Sam Allardyce, who, you know, for all that he's going to try seal the defense, kind of concede less goals. Look, maybe they might not play the best attacking football. Um, fans might be against that, but I think for Everton fans, they'd rather have Sean Dyche in because look, they know that he's done the the job at Burnley for four or five years now, and he, he's kind of established as. A team that look they don't play the best football, but they grind out results, and I think that that's the best thing for Everton right now. It, it, he might be kind of what they need in terms of the the Short attitude term. of a manager, but as a club, Newcastle, uh, as a club, sorry, Everton have been run absolutely horribly. Yeah, the the change from manager style to manager style, the signings, they've spent a lot of money. I I'm not confident. I just think when the culture of the club stinks to that level, yeah. Top you're down. doomed. You're yeah. doomed. And uh, I look at the other teams around them, and I just have more confidence in in their level. Like Bournemouth, Southampton, and Wolves are all more likely to stay up. You have to stay up more than three. You know, three clubs have to be below you. And I can't see three West teams in Everton at the moment. West Ham seem to kind of get in a rhythm together now. Leeds have signed Weston McKenney, another team in you know close to the relegation zone, signing a player from Juventus. Like. This is the level of, of the Premier League. It's actually like bonkers. You know, Nottingham Forest, 13th, they're, they're not quite in danger, but they're not far off it. Yeah. Kaylor Navas signing for them. Obviously, mm. Dean Henson's out with an injury, um, but still a solid signing. And they've also signed Felipe from Atletico Madrid. Absolute solid sign. Like, all in all, I just think this has been the window where the Premier League has said, we are kings. Yeah, it should. It's uh, power, th- yeah. There's so many signings that have surprised you that you just can't go through them all Dan Juma to Spurs what a signing that is like everywhere you look there is a crazy signing after crazy signing Orsic to Southampton do you know what I mean Uh, you just can't kind of you just can't kind of account for the level even if the teams that that kind of haven't done as much business as they hope to like Liverpool still signed Cody Gakpo, the best player from the Eredivisie. It's it's just the it's crazy, and I think it's here to stay until the actual Super League takes over. 
moving on kind of to the the main story of this this transfer window that we kind of alluded to before and that's Chelsea now I think for the context we need to look at this in kind of looking at the whole season rather than than just the January transfer window because the the spending has been <laughs> been out of control like yeah and it's it's crazy how many players are signed and I think the weird one for me is that I don't know whether it's Potter that's saying yes to these or it's just uh, if if he if he's getting them, he, I think he's just a case of saying yes rather than saying I want yeah, them because it's. I mean, l- let's go through them from the summer. Raheem Sterling, fifty-six million. Kulabali, thirty-eight million. Salnina, who's a goalkeeper, he hasn't played, uh, nine million. Chukwemenka, eighteen million. Kukurella, Kuk- remember oh Kukurella, bro? Fifty-two million for him, right? Sixty million for him. Sixty yeah. million. Casade. Uh, the Italian uh, player, who's I, I believe has gone back out on loan uh, for thirteen million, uh, Wesley Fofana seventy million, Piero Mirkovic ten million, Zachariah on loan, uh, Fofana the uh, the the centre forward ten million. They've signed a lot of these young players, kind of thing. Then the, you're looking at January, Badiashile thirty two million, Joao Felix a t- a t- t- ten million loan fee, Mudrik eighty million now to a hundred million. Uh, Maduke, 30 million. Gusto, 30 million. Gusto, man. He was the one I wanted at United. What a... He's genuinely got the potential to be the best right back in this league. Uh, 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 what do you think their strategy is with all of this? Uh, I think, look, uh, maybe it's Potter not liking some of the players that they currently have. For example, I know they're getting rid of Conor Gallagher, Hakim Ziyech. A, a lot of for example, Deadwood that... Ziyech going to PSG, it seems. We had to yeah. mention that as well. Um, I think he's just trying to get a lot of Deadwood out of the club where they might not suit his system or his playing style. And But I think the pressure is of bringing this many players, for example, in this journey transfer window, six. It's putting pressure on him. Now, these players have to perform. Chelsea have to at least get into European spots. Even though, yes, they are ninth or 10th in the Premier League. And whether he's capable of actually doing that is another thing. Because you're not just managing these players, you're managing the dressing room. Now, for example, let's just say you bring in Modric, 88 million. He's going to be wanting to start every game. But little does he know he's got Raheem Sterling now. And they're going to be competing for places. So it's going to be a tricky one for him to actually manage. It's, it's definitely a tough one because I think they've got 15 forwards just wow. 15 just forwards they've got 15 and you know what I'm going to blow your mind even more they've still got players to come back on loan they've still got Lukaku oh back oh my in the Lord. summer oh like they've got so many players on their books mm. and it's whoever manages them whether Potter is still there whether they get a new manager this is a tough tough thing to manage for him it's not easy and I don't think Bowley realises the challenge of integrating players into a football team and that's why he's kind of spending the way he is and we've mentioned it before that it feels like he's treating it like an NFL or an NBA team where he signs the players and the coach has to just get the best out of them somehow one way or the other. And it's just not going to work. And 100%. You know, the, the 10th. and like Enzo Fernandez is a good young player. He's not worth breaking the transfer record for. You, you have to be absolutely insane to be a, quote, flop at that price because the expectation at that price isn't for you to be a tidy box-to-box midfielder who's going to pass the ball and make movement and bring energy to the team with that price you have to be the match winner week in week out 
And I just don't think he has that in him. Uh, and that's not like a bad thing, but it's more of a mark of the price that you're paying, which is nuts. And Mudrick as well with the same thing. And if anything, maybe all of this helps them because all of this might take pressure off each of these players. But the manager, like you said, it's it's a tough one for him to deal with. And the one thing it does mean is that I think personally that the top four races are going to hot up now. I do see Chelsea recovering. To what? To get top four? To challenge, I think. No chance. I think, I think they, get, get, they recover okay, so to you're challenge. You're telling me at the top four. I think it'll be Chelsea, Newcastle, United uh, and Spurs for two spots. United ah, obviously have, have a chance to kind of pull away yeah, with yeah. winning their game in hand. But think about it for I do think it could be... They're not in European games. Yes, the but Chelsea are not going to be in European games for much longer. Let's be no, honest. No, no, it's true. But then let's 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 be realistic though. Nikas have been better in terms of the defensive shape and the structure they have within the club. Now, the club knows the vision that they have with Eddie Howe, and you can see that. And and it's seen throughout the season. There's no crap games where they've played, and you're thinking, oh, this this could be like their blip. They've not had a blip yet. Chelsea as halfway through the season, and you've not seen them perform well. And that's the scary part. It's maybe a couple of games have played really well, but in the last 10 games or so, they've not shown to the fans that, okay, you know, this is just like a little blip. It's been a constant blip throughout the season. So I think it's a weird one. I don't think, I don't see Chelsea making top four. Maybe possibly European spots but or the conference. Let's but think I'm about sure. how embarrassing this is going to be. No, 100%. If they are in the conference league, the Europa League, you can stomach it. If you're in the conference league with this super team, which it is, it's a super team. This is crazy. It's absolutely crazy. And uh, I, uh, the one thing as well I would worry if I was a Chelsea fan is that FFP are going to come down hard on them, probably. How severe? Yet to see maybe a couple of transfer bans again. It is, it is definitely something in this specific case unsustainable. You can't go and spending like this. You can't see them in the summer again just spending this kind of money. And if they if they keep this pace, they're going to reach a billion in, in basically it's three transfer windows, which is ridiculous. Stupid. Absolutely mm. ridiculous. Um, of course, guys, we, 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 you, you obviously, by the time you're hearing this, you will have seen all these transfers come through and any of these deadline day moves that are yet to happen. It seems the suggestions that Enzo Fernandez has potentially... Uh, agreed to sign for Chelsea and that the deal is is done. Of course, we see confirmation from that for that. And and by the time you're listening to this, you will know that one way or the other. And as we get prepared to welcome back the Champions League as well, of course, uh, it's going. Things are going to heat up in the second half of the season. Moving on swiftly, uh, and and coming on to the second half of the season, the the episode. Uh, of course, our focus now switches to the NFL and. Osama, we have our Super Bowl teams. We have our Super Bowl set. And it is, of course, the Philadelphia Eagles uh, against the Kansas City Chiefs. I want to come on to the Chiefs second. I want to focus on the NFC side of things. Now, there's a weird game. A weird, weird game for the 49ers, uh, especially uh, on on Sunday. And uh, a game which started off pretty close to start. Saw Brock Purdy, of course, get injured, which we now know is a UCL injury, keeping him out for six months so he will just about make it in time for, for training camp, it seems. But we see him get injured. Johnson, the backup, coming in. He gets injured. And they're left with no quarterback. And they are left with 
just running plays and you know by the time that happened it was clear that the game wasn't going to work out for them because you just can't run an offense without the passing threat so it was unfortunate for the 49ers your team of course Emma, that they they, they they met their end here but this is why it's so hard to win Super Bowls because of how physical it is you are going to have a piling up of injuries which we'll come on to that happened on the other side as well but this was the the undoing of them and Philadelphia to their credit didn't just took what the 49ers take them didn't have to kind of exert themselves either they have a very complete roster what are your thoughts on the game? Yeah I don't know it's, it's, uh, it's a difficult one to take being a 49ers fan, I thought we've had a really good year. Um, and even getting into the NFC Championships, I think it's it's a tough one to take because you're hoping that your team can actually push over the final hurdle and actually make it to the Super Bowl. But I think initially with Brock Purdy getting injured, I think that's where my first initial worries in the game were. With Brock getting injured, it's it was a difficult one. I thought, look, maybe we could still get through this. We have one of the best offenses in the NFC, and I thought, look, with Brock getting injured, this could it, we still have a chance to actually make it through to the Super Bowl. But I think it just shows how much of an asset he was to us going forward. And look, ideally, I thought it was a system that can actually allow us to push forward and progress into the final. But I think Brock just has something different, and yeah, it showed a wild his, card. It showed that potentially he wasn't just. Uh, a system quarterback, yeah. which many thought he he was, and I can, which which many thought he was, and I can understand the the point of view, but I think without him, you've seen kind of the importance of having him there, which is yeah a, a surprise in many ways. It was very unfortunate. Listen, the injuries when they pile up like that, it's it, it's, it's a, tough to to see. But well, what impressed you about the Eagles were m- most? Yeah, it's look. You have to give credit to Eagles who've kind of stuck in thick and thin throughout the season and it kind of paid off look we had Hertz who you could say has not had the best game um, in the final or in the championship itself and the team was still dominant enough to actually go on and win the game and progress through look I'm still bitter about it but you have to give credit to the Eagles and how they've been dominant throughout the year and yeah it's just it's a complete team effort that allowed him to progress through to the final. So credit to him and hopefully they actually come through and actually win the Super Bowl. They, like you said, they have a very complete units. And uh, it's it's a wider story that we'll come on to when we talk about the Bengals. But because of the financial position that they're in, they re- they're able to have a complete roster. And the fact that their defense is incredible uh is is one of the biggest reasons why they were able to kind of stop that San Francisco run game even with the quarterbacks out the question i the, the one question i i kind of have with the eagles is is the injury to Jalen Hurts and how crucial that is because you can tell his shoulder was bothering him so i wonder if that will kind of still carry on of course there's two weeks of the super bowl so there's plenty of time for him to heal up uh, and if he does so, I think they they have a good chance of winning. And they are they are favourites because of, A, the roster and because of how healthy they are in comparison to the Chiefs. And let's come on to that game. The Chiefs in the AFC, of course, 
victors against the Bing- the Bengals. The Bengals running their mouth all week. They're calling it Burrowhead instead of Arrowhead. The mayor coming out and talking. And you can tell that the Chiefs took that to heart. And, and they it's really... Like fuel. Yeah. Bro, yeah, bulletin board material, they call it. And what happened is the, the Chiefs seemed to just want it more. And Burrow didn't have an amazing game. He didn't have a bad game either. He When he was in there, he was performing to a high level. But it was them crucial interceptions that really cost him. But this game was not about the Bengals. <laughs> like, we have to say that from the start. Uh, here you go. Bro. The, the 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 thing is, this was vindication, <laughs> and this was finally the wider NFL community coming to recognize the the reality that a lot of us have seen already. That Patrick Mahomes is Patrick Mahomes is the best player that's ever been in the NFL. He's the best quarterback ever. Is he the greatest? Time will tell with how many rings he wins and so on. And the reality is, he doesn't even need to win as much as Brady to to be considered the greatest because you know if we look at any sports it's not the players who win the most trophies that are considered the greatest always do you know what i'm saying true uh, lebron and mbj don't have the most championship neither of them everyone thinks one of them is the greatest for example with this eventually at the end of his career maybe he'll have the rings to back it up maybe he will have six or seven rings but even without it that was the game that I think a lot of people, and we saw it, a lot of people made the mind up that Patrick Mahomes is the best ever quarterback to play this game, the best ever player to play this game. The circumstances that he was under in that game, even I thought, okay, they've lost it now because I was like, there's no way they win it. And they win it, and he was the reason why. On one leg, whatever. Mm. Yeah, his is ankle is injured. If this was the regular season, he's not playing. One at one leg, all his wide receivers by the fourth quarter are out of the game. He can't pass to anyone. His his wide receivers are gone. Usama, the uh, Kemp who came in as one of the receivers, that was his first catch for the Chiefs in the fourth quarter. Whoa. They had no one. He had more tackles than he had catches in his career. Mm. And he was he was he was passing to essentially special team players. And he was still the key reason why they won the game. And he made the key run right at the end with a foul. Guess what? Eight seconds, he's still finding another 10 yards anyway for the kick. And they win it because of him. And I've seen some people make this point, which is very accurate in my opinion, is that it maybe wasn't his best game because it's impossible to have your best game with the condition he was in. But it was his most impressive win of his career Mm. and i want to play you a clip from colin coward now colin coward respected of course commentator and journalist from the u.s uh, and this is his description of the greatness of of patrick mahomes but bill russell won almost twice as many titles as mj and was a better defensive player in fact maybe the greatest of all time we didn't wait to call mj the goat what are we waiting for his instincts faster better than brady he moves better than brady arm better than Brady, winning more early over Brady, not relying on defense like Brady. It's the best quarterback I've ever seen. That's a, that's a huge praise for him, man. And, and that's the crucial bit. The crucial bit is if we are going to compare him to someone, it is Brady because he is the greatest of all time. And the reality is Brady relied on defense for his first three rings. That's a reality. That's a fact. 
Patrick Mahomes is the reason why his team is going as far as it is. People forget at the start of the season he was written off because his best receiver left. True. Because yeah. of the nature of the NFL, yeah. because of the cap system, the quarterback's going to get the most of the money. When that kicks in, which it kicked in this year for Patrick, a lot of your star players have to leave. And that's when usually you stop getting to Super Bowls and you stop winning things. He's back in a Super Bowl in the same year with backup receivers from other teams being his main receivers. He's doing things that no one expected him to do this year. And he's evolving his game. He's playing in a way that's more mature. He's being patient more. He's taking what defences are giving him rather than going for the long pass that he was used to with Tyreek. And Kelsey, what a player. Kelsey, his, his main man. And as Colin said, he is the best to ever do it. Whether he retires as the greatest is another story. And this run is going to be legendary if he manages to do it because he gets injured one game. He comes back in the second half, wins that game. He plays a full game with an injured knee now, uh, ankle uh, with an injured ankle, of course. Now, a high ankle sprain, usually six weeks. From the time he injured it to the Super Bowl, it's three weeks. With this, obviously, aggravating it a little bit playing in this game. He's got two weeks now. He won't heal up in the two weeks. But he maybe will be to a point where he's able to move more than he was. But this is going to be a tough one, isn't it? Because all of his receivers were out by the fourth quarter. How many of them will be back in? We we don't know. We assume one or two will at least make it to the Super Bowl. It's going to be one of the toughest Super Bowl runs ever if he manages to do it, isn't it? Yeah, honestly, I think if he does go in and actually win the Super Bowl, there's no debate as to why he can't be classed as one of the best or possibly even the best quarterback um, of his time. And it's going to be interesting to see how, like you said, whether these injuries are going to play a part into the Chiefs actually going on and winning a Super Bowl and Patrick Mahomes himself creating legacy where him not having the best players or him not having his wide refe- wide receivers. Uh, and to do that with, you could say, a weakened side or a weakened team in a way and go on and win the championship and the Super Bowl itself, it's it's going to be interesting. And yeah, two weeks from now, it's going to be... Fireworks, absolutely fireworks. Yeah. And me looking at, if I try and look at it from a neutral point of view, it's really I think it's going to be tough, man. I just can't, <laughs> honestly, like, do I put it past him winning it? No, I don't. Of course not. He's the greatest. He will make plays that we can't even imagine in that Super Bowl. He's never played a bad Super Bowl. True, He's had one half of bad playoff games in his career. He's already one of the best um, playoff performers already, and he's only been five years. But Philadelphia, though, that defense and that offense. That's what I mean. Every if, unit is 10 out of 10. If Jay Hurts gets his... Jalen Hurts, listen, Jalen Hurts' shoulder is injured, of course. We can't not mention that. But that de- that team doesn't rely on Jalen Hurts as much as the Chiefs rely on, on, on Holmes. And I've yeah. said it all season. The only reason they are where they are is because of him. And we're not even talking about the playoffs. We're talking about even in the regular season. He was carrying them to most of their wins. Like He is the reason behind that team's success. And I think that what we are seeing uh, is historic, but it's a team game. Offenses don't play against offenses. They play against defenses. Mm. And the Chiefs' defense, to its credit, has been really good uh, this postseason. But even if it manages to stop 
the ego's office in a little bit or slow it down a little bit, it all depends for me on how many of the receivers are back. If he can get maybe Tony and Valdez Scantley back, then I think you know we're talking about someone who who can carry them, but I have my doubts, honestly. And of course, we're going to discuss this uh, and preview the Super Bowl itself further next week. Um, but, you know, this early on, it's a tough one. Uh, some breaking news, it does seem, coming through now, is that Sean Payton seems to have decided on, on going to the Broncos, which is a surprise because a lot of people didn't expect it. Um, but if he does go there, then the Chiefs' division is just getting a lot harder. You've got the the Broncos. Now, listen, if Russ plays like he did this year, it doesn't matter who the coach is because they're not going to be good. But Sean Payton definitely moves the needle for them. And, of course, the Chargers now with a new offensive coordinator from, from the, the Cowboys, I think that's potentially the, the hardest division in all of uh, the NFL. So it will be interesting to see. Guys, a quick episode this week. Uh, not as long as usual, but uh, thank you for, for sticking with us and, and thank you for listening and joining us this week on the Two Half Show. Osama, thank you for joining me. Uh, it's a pleasure as usual, man. Uh, as always, guys, make sure to like, subscribe uh, and share and uh, leave your comments down on our opinions and, and let us know what you think of all the transfer business done in January and any thoughts on the Super Bowl. Thank you very much. And until next time, keep it locked.